Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Talk TV. I'm not Mike Graham. I'm very much David Bull, just standing in for the great man uh, whilst he works on The Secret Project. More of that anon. Uh, thank you, though, for all your messages. We've been talking about a wide range of topics uh, this morning. Uh, who does uh, Rishi worry more about upsetting? Is it the party or is it the voters, says Terry in Ramsbottom. Uh, we were talking also about turning back the clock. Um, DB, DB, I wish we could turn the clock back to 1960. It's so much nicer than the rubbish and dangerous times we live in today. This country is run and run down by complete idiots. Uh, in terms of the election, Peter and Stephen, who says, I think we all know Sunak is beginning to become a Conservative, not because he's starting to listen to the electorate, but because there is a general election on the horizon. If he if he managed to win, I'm sure his views would inevitably revert to the former. Call me cynical? Well, possibly, but I think we have the right to be so after the letdowns, the broken promises over the far, past four years. Also, in terms of net zero, and I know this is a very passionate topic for many of you. Jerry, thank you for this. Hi, David. Re-net zero. I think it would be helpful to give the people some context. The level of CO2 in the atmosphere since 1850 has increased from 280 parts per million to 420 parts per million today. That's a difference of 140 parts per million, or put that into terms that most people can understand. 14 thousandths of 1%. That's less than 1 thousandth of 1% per decade. And Britain has been responsible for a tiny part of that. How much closer to zero do you think it's possible to get? The planet does not need to be saved from a small increase in trace space gas that is necessary for life, but it does need to be rescued from politicians who push this nonsense. Very well said indeed. Well, joining me now, I'm delighted to say, is Rod Little, columnist uh, for The Sun and The Times. Good morning, Rod. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? And 1952 is the year I'd like to go back to in, with response to your previous caller. And why is that? I, I think everything was a lot better than apart from the rickets um, <laughs> and the threat of thermonuclear annihilation. Well, there was aside, that. Aside from those two, you know, hula hoops and and there wasn't really a youth culture, uh, which has kind of destroyed the country and and uh, we weren't worried about the uh, earth uh, uh, burning to bits, only being <laughs> immolated by the Russians. So, yeah, it was a much nicer time. Well, at least you know, uh, knew your enemy at that point. I mean, I, I, I agree. Did. The 70s, though, we had the threat of nuclear war. I wasn't keen on that. No, I loved the 70s. Uh, I loved the 70s for the music and for the, for the 
interior design, which, which was Did you? Um, very, yeah, no, very I really floral. Yeah, yeah. It was, well, I remember my parents got the, the kitchen done out in vinyl, orange and brown <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> you went in there and your eyes started to bleed. <laughs> it, it was, was the wonderful. thing. It was the thing. It I was had brown thing, carpet. Yeah. Yeah, bottle of Schler on the table. Uh, yes, that was it. <laughs> Sounds marvellous. Uh, your Thank column today, uh, there's a wonderful piece, actually, uh, with the headline, High Time We Had Brava, Braver or Brava Thinking on Migrant Crisis. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Talk, talk us through this. Well, well she, she's got it in the neck, of course, from the left, as she always does. They really hate her. You just mentioned her name and they, they kind of, it's like pouring salt on a slug. They shrivel up the, the, the left when they hear about her. And if she said the right thing, I mean, the, the Refugees Convention was, was signed in, 19, I think it was 1951, the year before, right? <laughs> so it's a year of perfection for me. Um, and it simply isn't fit for purpose anymore because... Throughout the time since the Refugee Convention, we have added more and more laws to the statute book outlawing discrimination of any kind. And as Suella Braverman quite rightly says, it's no longer about uh, there to protect refugees who are fleeing persecution and war. It's there to protect people who feel they might face some sort of bias in their home country. And that's why she's picked up particularly on, on the fact that it, it shouldn't be a case that you could come here uh, necessarily simply because you're gay and you live in a country where homosexuality isn't allowed. Uh, and I, I think that's right, because if you, if you look at the numbers of people who are likely to come here, Centre for Policy Studies says there's somewhere in the region of 782 million. I think that's probably a bit excessive, but, you know, it's a lot of people and we cannot take everybody in. And I haven't yet heard an argument from the left as to say what we actually should do. Uh, it, it, they, they never come up with one. No, and I thought that comment, she, she, which you allude to, about persecution or discrimination is absolutely yeah. right. And you're right, right. It, it was set up in 1951. And of course, as you say, there's all this bolt-ons. And what the public want is they want this migrant crisis sorted. Now, they've heard about Scampton and Wethersfield and the Bibby Stockholm and Rwanda. And then you've got some dude in Strasbourg saying we can't do anything, even though we're a sovereign democratic country. No, that's right. There's just about there's only about two places we could send anyone, um, uh, and that's Denmark or New Zealand. You know, every, <laughs> everywhere else, they, 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 just every country is outlawed. Uh, so, you know, uh, undoubtedly, uh, gay rights are not as advanced in, for example, Albania as they are over here. In which case, we can't send anyone back to Albania. So, effectively, every single route away from here is blocked to us. And obviously, we cannot take all the millions of people who wish to come here. Now, you also mentioned the Labour Party. You say it criticised Braverman. Uh, of course, yeah. it did. I don't understand what the Labour Party wants to do. It says that the government isn't doing a good enough job. What should no. it do? What would the Labour Party oh. do? Well, well the, well, the Labour Party, if the Labour Party were really canny, it would outflank the Tories and Suella Braverman on the right on this issue. And there's no reason why it shouldn't. What, 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 what they should do is say, look, we are absolutely committed to making sure that the refugees who come here are those who are the most deserving. And that means we do have to stop uh, uh, these youngish men from uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Syria, uh, coming here in boats across the channel because they are stopping people who genuinely need to come here, such as old people, the elderly, women, children, the disabled, who really, really need refugee status, and then take a far harder line 
on uh, on dealing with the uh, illegal migrants. That would be a vote winner. Uh, because you know, especially up here where I am in the in 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 what used to be called the red wall seats, uh, people do care very much about the levels of immigration into this country, and mm. particularly those who arrive here in boats. And it would be a canny move, but they seem to have no ability to grasp that. Or perhaps more likely, while I think Sakia Starmer probably would, and Yvette Cooper probably would like to do something a bit more stentorian. Uh, there's that vast bulk of the population of, of the of the party which just says, "Oh, let them all in. They're lovely. Just let them all in. They're really <laughs> but, nice." But hang on a minute, with Starmer, what that would take is conviction. He doesn't have any conviction. Yes, yes, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right on that. Mate. Yes, he has no conviction, or at least. <clears throat> he does have conviction, and then he suddenly decides two weeks later that his conviction has been misplaced. <laughs> he it to another conviction, uh, about which he seems equally fervent. Uh, he is he is a very strange politician. But, you know, in fairness, they are the opposition, and they're allowed to criticise. I get that. Uh, but it, it, it would be, as we approach an election, it would be, I think, signal of them to say, look, this really is a big problem. We've got to do something about it. Mm. And simply saying we're going to be nicer to the French. (laughs) No one should do that. that, No no one should do that, no, indeed. Uh, Because none of that plays very well. People want a clear policy as to how we're going to stop this happening. And the problem at the moment, of course, is these refugees come here and there are a, a legion of lawyers who are one day going to find themselves burning in the deepest pit of hell, I suspect, <laughs> um, who are able to give them, you know, supper uh, and make sure they don't get deported to Ru- Rwanda. Uh, well, just to, and, and there's confusion about all of it. You know, the, the left supports the NGOs who are helping the migrants. And as the Italians are saying at the moment, and Georgia Maloney is mm. saying that, these people are the cause of the crisis. It's not so much the refugees, it's the NGOs who facilitate their arrival. Yeah, you know? and also what you're seeing in Europe, and obviously I spent some time in the uh, EU, uh, you're yeah. seeing all of the countries in Europe actually saying, hang on a minute, we don't want this migration <laughs> that's coming into our country. No, that's I, right. I, I'm, feeling it, I'm finding it very amusing to see Ursula von der Leyen actually on the ropes over this, increasingly. Yeah, von der, yeah it's not just von der Leyen, though. Um, um, Germany, uh, there's the, the AFD, the uh, mm. right Finnish party, is growing enormously in the polls, particularly in the east of the country. Um, the French are now, uh, Macron even, who is obviously a liberal, is cozying up to Georgia Maloney and saying we're going to strike some sort of deal to sort out migrants. And just wait till you see the election result in Slovakia over this coming weekend, uh, because I think you're probably likely to see uh, someone who is a shade to the right of Victor Orban uh, <laughs> taking over. That's Robert Fico. Uh, so, so Europe gets it, I think. And Europe is, has been, over the last 10 years, swinging very profoundly uh, mm. towards parties which say they will do something about this. Um, and that, that's sometimes parties of the left... But it's more often populist parties of the right. And you make a great point. You know, when I was there, the parties like the AFD were growing stronger. They liked what we were doing. And I think around Europe, many countries are thinking what we have done is the right move. And they're now summoning, may I say, the courage to do so or to do something similar. No, that's right. Because it was always the case um, that the actual populations, the voting populations of these countries 
weren't happy with the levels of immigration that were coming in. I mean, really, really unhappy about it. But just as over here, there's a liberal elite in Europe, which is even more entrenched, of course, because of the European Union, um, and which persecutes countries which dare to go their own way, much as it's persecuted Poland, we know, and persecuted Hungary, has sent warnings to Austria that they mustn't vote for anyone who, who Ursula van der Leyen doesn't like. Um, <laughs> so so it, it, that, that liberal elite which ignores the wishes of the people uh, is far more entrenched uh, in, in, in a bureaucracy like the European Union, which we mercifully got ourselves out of. Well, I'm not sure. Does anyone actually like Ursula von der Leyen? I think that's a bigger question. It is a good, it is a good, I sometimes get confused with Lana Del Rey, <laughs> uh, but that's, the, uh, I realise they're in two very different spheres, but it's just, I have an adult brain and <laughs> they all get mixed up. Um, well, let's move on to a very important story, and I think this is a big story, which is about the number of pubs that are closing. I think this is a national travesty. The fact is, your column says that yeah. 400 bars have closed in the first half of this year alone. I am not surprised. Yeah, it's. I think it's terrifying. I think it's. I think it's bad news simply because you know it's nice to go down the pub, and Britain used to be a country of pubs. Times change. We know this, mm. but uh, at the same time, you know, over the last fifty, sixty years, churches have closed down, and churches used to be the hub of our communities, and in a way, pubs took over as being the hub of of our communities. I don't see that anything is taking over from pubs as being the place that you go to, the place where you meet your members of your community mm. and get on with them and chat with them and so on. And it just adds towards what what we might pretentiously call, you know, in in, uh, uh, in sociological terms, the atomization or anomie of the country, that we're no longer a section of communities who pull together. We're, we're far more disparate and and, and uh, spread out than we ever used to be. We move more than we ever used to. Uh, we're far more transient. Uh, and I think all that all that stuff adds to, uh, is, is there somewhere in these horrible crime rates which we have at the moment and the lack of respect that there is for the police? Although, of course, the police have also got something to do with that themselves. Well, well in my village, we've lost our local pub. I've got a meeting about it today, what we're going to do yeah. about it so you can't talk in the pub, but also young people not going to the pub. Then you've got yeah. all the banks shutting so older people can't even have a chat because there aren't any banks. Then the post office is now overwhelmed. There aren't enough rural post offices. Basically, the whole of society or rural society is being decimated. Yes, it is. Uh, and and the, the same thing's happening up here, you know, um, and it's even more injurious because it's quite a high uh, uh, elderly population up here. Uh, in the, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Pennines on the Durham-Northumberland border. And, you know, our local village, um, there are still pubs, uh, but the banks have closed down mm. and most of the shops will only take cash. We're not London, you know. Uh, there are signs up in the shops saying cash is king mm. because they like using cash. And they're working on very small margins, and the fifteen percent which the credit card companies take, you know, is is crucial mm. to, to them. And and you're right as well that it is largely the elderly who are being persecuted in this way. Just as they're being persecuted when they try to get on a train and there are no guards and there's no ticket office, you've got to do it all online. A lot of people aren't happy with that. You know, it's only it, it wouldn't take much for us just to care a little bit for the next 10 to 15 years mm. about those people who aren't as happy online as, you know, the rest of us are. Mm. Uh, it, it wouldn't cost us an, uh, um, much to do that.
No, I totally agree, Rod. Uh, stay where you are. Time for a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with Rod after this break. This is Talk to You. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, get 30, get 20 20, 20 get 20 20, get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24/7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at bluenile.com. bluenile.com. Give me on your mobile, on your wavelength, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back, Rod Little. That is still with me, Rod. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, something else you've written. And I am livid about this, about COVID lockdowns. I mean, I know more than many people the damage this has done to children. What, what the government did, I think, is unacceptable. I think, actually, it's child abuse. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I, I went along with the first lockdown. I was probably wrong to do that, uh, but I, uh, I minded my P's and Q's. I even wore a mask. Mm. Um, uh, and and, uh, and by and large, I thought the government doesn't really have a grip on what this, uh, no government does on, on what this uh, virus means for us all. And so I kind of supported the first lockdown. Subsequent lockdowns were absurd. I mean, just mm. absolutely absurd. And we began to learn by the end of May... 2020, just how damaging the lockdowns were for kids. Uh, and the thing that worries me, uh, I mean, we've had a report out by, a, by an amalgamation of, uh, of children's charities talking about the, uh, uh, the profound mental distress and retardation of kids as a consequence of lockdown. It would have been nicer if they'd said a few things about lockdown at the time, in my opinion. Uh, but of course, uh, the charities were all on board with uh, keeping us all at home and silent and uh, and not going anywhere. Uh, and the reason it's important now, I think, other than to realise that we've really marred the childhoods of a of you know uh, an awful lot of young people, is that there seems to be a growing feeling with winter approaching uh, and a new COVID 
the Pirola variant uh, hopping mm. around. Uh, I noticed that the Scottish National Party has refused to rule out lockdowns, you, you know. So it's all kind of coming to be back on the agenda. Mm. I, I, I think what they did to children and indeed the elderly and those people in hospital was absolutely horrific, abhorrent. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, my daughter got no tuition whatsoever mm. at her state school. She was a state school in, um, in the southeast uh, and just got no tuition whatsoever. Mm. And of course, was deprived of seeing friends and uh, and and going out. I, I, it's a, just a dreadful, dreadful time. And while you understand it a little bit, mm. first time around, there, there was no excuse for the subsequent lockdowns. No, I and, agree totally. And I, I went along with the first one as well. I thought, as we yeah. gather evidence, this is probably a pragmatic yeah. thing to do. The others are completely unjustified. But also, we then had things like the government's counter disinformation unit, didn't we? Monitoring well, people yes. like me. And probably you. Yeah, it really began to worry me. Um, uh, the, the degree to which the BBC particularly went along mm. with this, uh, but also that the government, uh, with its disinformation units involving the military at one point, uh, which which was to to dampen down genuine issues such as the efficacy of lockdowns, the efficacy of masks and indeed the possible side effects of vaccines, which mm. is an important issue. You know, you don't have to be a, a, a deranged conspiracy theorist to, to, to ask questions about vaccines when we know, and this was originally um, uh, canceled, you weren't allowed to say this, that there was a link between vaccines and blood clots. Well, there is. There is. Know, you know, there, we have to be clear about that. And we have to be clear about what the other possible side effects are uh, without being, you know, the, the more you stamp down on this stuff, the more the conspiracy theory grows. And of course, as you say, there's the whole nudging, the mask coming back, more yes. vaccines. This should be about informed consent. And as you rightly say, we didn't have informed consent. No. We didn't. And and the mask business, I don't know how many more uh, international meta-studies, meta-analyses of mask wearing there needs to be before some of these jokers I see walking down the street in their masks understand that they are of no use whatsoever. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 it's just... I saw someone driving a car in one the other day. <laughs> what was the point? On his own? On his own. Yeah. There was no one else in the car, driving a car with a mask. Looking very pleased with himself, he was. Well, well I'm masked. sure. I, I'm sure. Well, um, let's move on. Uh, you, you'd never heard of Caroline Diniage. Uh, no, I haven't heard of Caroline Diniage. But Dinage. now you know who she is. Now I know who she is, and uh, what, what a joy she is. She immediately joins my rank of cretinous Tories alongside <laughs> the appalling Caroline Noakes. Um, uh, what did it? She's chair of the uh, Culture, Media and Sport Committee. Uh, and she wrote, I, I just don't understand what possessed the woman. She wrote a letter to the website Rumble telling them to demonetize Russell Brand's account, stop him getting any money from me. What possible right does a politician have to do that? Mm. You know, I have no time whatsoever for Russell Brand. You know, if someone could point to me somewhere where he said something funny, I might be a bit more kindly <laughs> disposed towards him. But, you know, he's not, he's not my cup of tea. And some of those accusations, without question, are serious and they need mm, to be investigated. Mm, of course. You don't do this, you know, 
it's, it's always these days guilty until proven innocent. And of course, it's very, very difficult to prove your innocence. Mm. Uh, I, I think what she did was outrageous. Uh, and she should, as some of the other members of the committee have suggested, uh, resign. Mm, big state again. Uh, also, yeah. uh, I had an education this morning reading your column about furries. <laughs> furries. No, furries, yeah. What are they? Oh, uh, furries, are, uh, furries are people, usually youngish people, who uh, dress as animals and wish to be treated as animals. Right. <laughs> and because we're in this position at the moment where whatever they say, we have to <laughs> indulge them in, well, you know whether it's whether it's a, it's a it's a, a boy who wants to transition into being a girl. Okay, you are a girl. Uh, similarly, <clears throat> a girl who wishes to transition into a cat is a cat. And so, uh, a mate of mine who, who runs a, a really lovely uh, bakery coffee shop near me had his first meeting with one of these parents come in. Uh, bringing with them a 16-year-old girl who is dressed entirely as a cat and spent the entire time crawling around on the floor, uh, you know, as cats probably would do. <laughs> right. And, and I, I, you know, the, uh, my mate said to me, he said, I didn't really know what to do because if I'm <laughs> no. properly treating her as a cat, uh, then she shouldn't be in the shop. I should say, get out. We don't have cats in here. Uh, well, yeah. Which, which seems to me reasonable enough. Uh, I suggested to him, you know, that, that what he should have said was, look, if you're a cat, act like a cat and go out there and sit under that car for an hour and then run into the middle of the road in front of a lorry. You know, that, that's, that's how cats behave, isn't it? Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I would agree. Uh, also, I noted here about uh, your, your bemoaning public sector workers. They're taking off too many days for sick leave. Yeah, well, well, there's a growing divide, and it, it was hastened by COVID, uh, where actually the, the, the public sector uh, increased dramatically over the private sector. Uh, and it's now true that uh, public sector pay is higher than private sector pay. They have more holidays, they have better pensions, and they take more sick days. They take almost double the number of sick days mm. as people in the private sector. And you've got to start asking why. I mean, obviously, uh, and one understands this, they need to go on all those um, stop the Tory demos in London. So you've got to allow a couple of days a year for that, at least. Um, <laughs> as they said, as, as, well, whenever you go to these demos, it is always public. It's either public sector workers, charity workers or students. You know. <laughs> No, no one who's got a proper job, in other words. Or a freelancer yeah. who doesn't earn any cash. You can't, you can't afford to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you, you just, it, but there seems to be an indulgence in the public sector, which doesn't extend to the private sector. Now, you might say that, 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 that you know, uh, News UK should be far more indulgent with us about the days we take off. But uh, if Definitely. we want, a, yeah, if we want a sound economy, uh, then then we need a public sector which actually lives within its means and doesn't allow people to swing the lead. Because, mm. frankly, mate, 10 days off a year, which is the average in the public sector. Mm. I haven't had, I had, I had last had a day off when I caught Listeria <laughs> on the day I took over as editor of the, the, the World Tonight, and that was 1996. <laughs> no, they don't make them like you anymore. That's the problem, Rod. <laughs> but it's not, it's not as if I'm a paragon of health, you know? <laughs> I <laughs> don't wish to comment. I don't wish to comment. Uh, very, very quickly, though, I said it was a very educational uh, co um, uh, column indeed. I've learnt um, something about dentures. Tell us about this story. <laughs> do, you, do you not watch Tipping Point? I can't say I do. 
I, I, when I finish my work for the day, I, I turn on at five o'clock. It's on at four o'clock, but you get these channels where you can go back in time. If only we could go back to 1952, but we can't. Anyway, uh, why would you go on a quiz program if you are thicker than a block of David Stone cheddar cheese? Why would you do it? Is it, is it a joke? There was a bloke on there earlier this week. His name was Mike. And he was asked... What part of the body would you wear dentures? <laughs> and with great confidence, he said, feet. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you go on television the next and, and reveal yourself to be this uh, a shrub? <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and yet you see it, you see it. Um, Every day, it's one of the reasons I watch out of spite. Uh, the, the people are so dense. Um, the, the same program, a woman was asked to name a Scottish writer, uh, a Scottish writer born between seventeen, uh, lived who lived between seventeen eighty and about eighteen forty, and she very confidently said William Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> William Shakespeare. <laughs> and, and any any sense of irony that she might possibly no, be no. no. There's, 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 oh, is it? Oh, thanks, Ben. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a, I have an appointment with Tipping Point, uh, Roger. Yeah, you've, so, you've, you've, you've got to have a look at Tipping Point. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for the tip, and uh, thanks uh, for speaking with me this morning. Great pleasure, indeed. That was Rod Little, their columnist at The Sun and at uh, The Times as uh, well. Uh, time has beaten us on that. Loads of messages coming in about furries. Uh, Mick says, those who want to be furries should lose... He I've never heard of a furry. Uh, should lose their human rights, benefits, the right to vote. Um, David, in the United States, says Tony in Bristol, they have furry conventions. They get together dressed as animals and do everything, such as dinners, dances and other animal instincts. The whole thing is very weird. I only know this because I was there. The whole thing is very odd indeed. But if you are a furry, then you should be treated as a cat. Or maybe not. Uh, after the break, we'll be talking about drug consumption rooms. This is a really interesting story, something I feel quite passionate about as well. Uh, join me after the break for that. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and Talk TV. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.